You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hey, welcome back to the show. Today we are diving into episode four of our Boss versus Leader podcast series. And I guess it's not boss versus leader. That sounds like it's an arm wrestle match and it's not. It's uh, the differences and the slight nuances of boss skills and leadership skills. And you really need both of them. And that's what we're talking about on this podcast episode series. So yesterday we talked about what the role of a manager really is. And it's really getting clear or it's really simple yet not easy, right? The simple mission is to get results through other people. So now you're clear on the mission. And today we're going to talk about the skills needed to be successful at doing so. And so it's worth noting that a couple episodes back, we talked about the critical self how critical self-leadership skills are. And they're really the foundation of being a good manager or a good boss. And without a decent skill level in those, you're going to struggle with getting a team to accomplish its goals. And you're going to struggle being in relationships with other people on your team. So I urge you to go back if you haven't and listen to, um, I think it's three episodes back. It's episode two of this podcast series and listen to make sure that you, you know, have a really solid baseline on self-leadership skills. Um, and we list out the four, four different areas of self-leadership that I think are critical to being a good boss and really the foundation. So go back and listen to that. So assuming you're working on self-leadership, we're all working on it, right? And it, it, it's always up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, and assuming you're working on those, those four things and you have a solid baseline of them, which is self-awareness, self-regulation, self-confidence, and self-efficacy, you're ready to take the leap into leading others. And so simply mastering these things is not going to just magically make you a good boss. You're probably going to be an okay boss, right? Um, you're probably going to be better than a lot of them out there, not going to lie. But to be a great boss, you really need to become a master at what I think are four essential skills to, to really being successful in the leadership role, a boss role. Gosh, it's so confusing, those words, but hopefully you're getting my drift. So the first one is decision-making. As a boss, you need to get good at making decisions. You have to be able to communicate decisions clearly and take accountability for decisions. A great framework for, for being transparent about decisions is to communicate the what, the why, and the how of them. So if you can communicate when you're making decisions what it is, why you made it, and how, how you made the decision you're going to, it's going to help a ton and at least getting the, the team on board with them as well. So to make this a little bit more clear, maybe I'll describe an article that I recently read on Slack's blog and it's about decision-making. And there's some, there was quite a bit of information on there, but some of the key le learnings that I got from it that I thought were super interesting was how to make good decisions when you have a team. And there's two aspects that I found just super Oh, interesting, thought-provoking that I wanted to share. And so the first is if you do have a team and you're trying to make decisions together is that you want to encourage critical thinking. So 
what I found fat. I mean, that sounds, yeah, no shit. Right. Thanks, Jackie. <laughs> Pointing out the obvious, but the interesting part of that is that we're, you know, us as humans, we're wired to follow the crowd, right? We're, we want to be sheep, unfortunately, that ends up giving us group think when we're in team. And so science has found, and I guess maybe they, they call it social science or whatever the science is that studies human behavior. I don't remember, but that science has found that the first person to speak or the first idea tends to get the most support. And so what's interesting about that is that that first idea or that first person to speak may end up getting chosen and it might not even be the best idea, right? So as long as you're aware of that and the whole team is aware of that, it will make it less, it'll make it easy to be like, you know what, let's look at this from a different way or think critical, right? Um, we've seen this happen in the media all the time, like this lack of critical thinking and it's normal, unfortunately. But if you know that that is how our brains work, try to be the person who is encouraging people to, to think critically. And so then the second part of decision-making that I found to be super, super interesting and so true through all of my years working with teams and in business is you do not want to strive for consensus. And you, that means like everyone has to say yes. Everyone has to be on board. That is a terrible idea. And it can be easy to want to do that because you think you're like fostering collaboration and, and all of that stuff. And so like the intention is probably really great as to why you want consensus, but it slows things down so much. And so when you make decisions too slowly, you're basically like minimizing the risk of making a bad choice, but then you're missing on a whole lot of opportunities when you're waiting or during that decision-making process. And so expert business experts and business strategy experts recommend that you, what you do instead is really think about the impact of missing opportunities against making a bad decision and really just deciding like, is this decision that we're making right now could the could making the wrong decision seriously impact the business? Most of the time, it's probably going to be no. And so you really only want to strive for consensus when the potential harm of making a bad decision is greater than like what you could miss out on, right? And so if you're listening to this show, you're you're likely a smaller entrepreneur or a leader on a team. And so you're probably the decision maker. And it's worth noting that Whenever you have to make a decision, decide who a decision maker is. How many times do you just get into a meeting and nobody decides to be the decision maker because they want consensus or they want the buy-in of other people? It's the most irritating thing to be a part of. I'm, I'm going through it right now with, with one of my clients. It's super irritating. And so you want to make sure that you have an assigned decision maker. It doesn't just have to be you because you're the boss. Like you could decide, you know what? I'm going to give this decision to somebody else, right? But just make sure there's one in the room. And you as a boss need to be good at making decisions. I'm going off on a tangent here. So because you shouldn't do consensus doesn't mean you should always be the one to be right, right? Like you want to still assess the concerns of your team. And then it's so critical that you provide information and transparency around, again, how and what the decision is, why you made it and how you made it. So that's really what people want. They just want transparency into how the decision was made and they want to feel like they've been heard. 
And so becoming good at decisions is a critical skill for you to learn as a boss. You have to become good at making decisions and working your team through different decision-making processes as well. So that's the first skill needed. The second skill is communication. And you as a boss need to have strong communication skills. You have to say what you mean. You have to learn how to communicate with candor, meaning you share your thoughts and feelings open, openly and honestly, even if it's difficult or uncomfortable, and you don't hide behind euphemisms or analogies or just avoid difficult conversations. A lot of times I see managers like thinking they're having a difficult conversation, but they're really just like talking around it, confusing the hell out of the people that they're talking about. And so you want to be able to communicate with candor. And that means communicating directly and clearly without hidden agendas or ulterior motives. Like if you're trying to, you think you're doing, again, like as a boss, oftentimes I see this happen where you think you're doing the the, the team a benefit by not dictating something to somebody. So you're trying to talk them into agreeing with you. And that's an ulterior motive. Like that's a hidden agenda and it never works. So instead you want to say what you mean directly. You can be honest and be like, look, I'm not trying to make this decision for us, but here's what I think. And here's what I think needs to happen. And here's why, right? Instead of like trying to talk them into believing a certain thing, definitely want to use candor. And you want to make sure that you are, you know, just being direct and it helps build trust and credibility with your team because they know that you're going to tell them the truth and be honest with them. And it also allows for open and honest discussions. Like if they know that you're being open and honest with them, they're going to trust you more and they're going to do the same to you, which will lead to better decision-making and problem solving and your team accomplishing more, which is your whole, your whole mission, right? It's also worth noting that candor needs to be paired with empathy and respect. So like, it's definitely important to be honest and transparent, but you also have to consider the other person's feelings and perspectives. So you need to make sure it's done in a constructive and supportive manner with the goal of finding a solution, not just to like tell somebody something that's irritating you about them, right? Or, or, or being so direct that you leave all of the, the diplomacy aside. So candor and communication is huge. And another part of communication, it's not just about speaking, it's about listening. Take the time to listen actively to your team members. This is a skill of mine that I am really, I've been intentionally trying to work on listening for a long fucking time. I don't know why I just swore at you, but it feels like it's a never ending thing that I've been working on. I think I'm getting better and it's something I'm, I, I continue to commit to all the time. And listening means paying attention to what your team members are saying asking questions, clarifying, you know, misunderstandings. And when you listen actively, you're able to to really understand their what they're saying and and what they mean behind what they say or maybe what they're not saying, right? So you, you got to learn how to listen. I was actually reading an article in the Business News Daily in preparing for this podcast episode and I found this quote which I thought was a mic dropper and it is leaders 
who don't listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say and nothing to add. In addition to giving up control of all of their work, as a boss, you'll also have to break the addiction to being right all the time. Don't always promote your own view. If your own ideas sound set in stone, your team members won't want to offer theirs. That's a mic drop, the silence. I should have went boom. I don't know. I might hurt the mic if I do that, but I'll read it to you again. Not the whole thing. The part that I think is a mic dropper. Leaders who don't listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say and nothing to add. Oof. I can see it happening with one of my clients right now. It's not good. Don't be that person. All you got to do is start listening. You want to listen to understand. So when you listen, you want to make sure your team knows that you not only heard them, but you understand them, even if you disagree with them. It goes a long way to building your trust and respect with your team. If they know that you at least understand and that you disagree, you can disagree while still listening and understanding people. And that goes so far with learning with them, with building rapport and trust. The third part of communication is you need to have clear and concise communication. It's essential. You need to avoid using jargon or technical terms that are confusing to other people. Instead, use simple language and be direct. It helps prevent misunderstandings and ensures that everyone understands your expectations. Similar to candor, you cannot talk around a point. You have to clearly spell it out. Don't beat around the bush and don't talk in generalities. Most of the time, people are not going to pick up on things as much as you want them to. Like they're not mind readers. So you have to be clear um, and, and concise, right? Say things in a concise way so that they don't get confused. So for example, if you notice that a team member is being negative or gossipy, Instead of on a team call being like, hey, everyone, I just want to remind you that we, we want to have a positive work environment and gossiping will not, you know, is not what we do here. You know, you think you're getting the message across and that one person is going to be like, oh, shit, she caught me. No, that person is going to be like, ooh, I wonder who she's talking about. So instead, go to that person and be like, yo, I noticed yesterday when blah, blah, blah happened, you got really negative. And I overheard you gossiping to somebody about blah, 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 blah. Like doing that is not helping the team. And it's definitely not creating a great culture. Like we can't do that. And I, I really don't want you to do that anymore. That person knows you're talking to them, right? That's what I mean by like being clear and direct and not talking in generalities. And then the last part of communication is you want to pay attention to your nonverbal communication. Your body language and tone of voice can convey a lot of information. So pay attention to your nonverbal cues, like eye contact, posture, facial expressions, and help them or help to use them to convey your message. And it helps you communicate more effectively and build stronger, stronger relationships. And I guess it's like less important to think about how to use them to get your point across. Although I do think it's important to do that. I think that's like a that's like an expert communication level. What I think most of us need to do is realize the stuff we're not intentionally doing that's negatively in, impacting our nonverbal communications. So most of you probably have 
I don't, I don't, I guess I don't really know. And if you're listening to the show, if you go into an office or not, but like, are you always on your phone during meetings? Um, are you always being pinged or checking your email? Um, do you turn your video on for video calls? Like all of those things are like the new age form of nonverbal communications. It's like, how are you showing up in this digital world? And people can tell when you're slacking other people on a call or if you're constantly distracted and not paying attention. Like not only can they tell if you're checking your, your phone, but when you're obviously not paying attention and ask a question that was already answered, like it's obvious you're not paying attention. And that says a lot to your team that you don't care about them and you don't care enough to pay attention. So pay attention to your nonverbal communication. Three, set clear expectations. This is semi-related. I guess I would call this a 2.5. Um, this is you know, related to communication, but it's so important that I wanted to call it out on its own. When you're setting expectations for your team or making a request on a project or a task or something like that, you want to be detailed about the what and the why. Sometimes it happens. Uh, sometimes managers, I think, avoid giving out exactly what they want and, and why they want it because they think they're micromanaging and they don't want to like dictate how their teams do their work. So they're like, I'll just give them a general idea and let them run with it. Right. Like that's how I'm not going to be a micromanager. But that is not, that actually does not work at all. Um, because what happens is if you're not specific about the goals or the task, the project or deadlines and how you're going to measure success, you're going to have your team members spend a lot of time and energy working on something that likely ends up being the wrong thing. So they're going to feel deflated. You're going to be pissed off, feel like they're not performing. And they're like running around trying to be your mind reader, right? And if you think about it, if you're simply telling them what you want done and why you need it, you're not telling them how to do the work. You're just telling them why you need something and what the end result should be. So that's not micromanaging at all. And if you're clear about the, well, and if I think explaining the why is so important. And that's because they're going to be able to understand why the project fits into their scope of work, how it fits into the business. If they understand why they need to do something, they might actually like think about it in a different way. And they will hopefully be more proactive to getting the stuff they need to actually get you what you want because they know why they're doing it and what the purpose of it is for, right? And so they're going to likely think about it more. So you're going to get better results. And if you're clear about what you want, you're going to likely get the better results. And then you know that you're setting clear expectations so that if it isn't being done correctly, you have something which you can performance manage on. But it's really hard to tell somebody they didn't do the right thing when you didn't really give them set clear like expectations and direction. So learning how to set clear expectations is critical. And then the last thing is you got to learn how to delegate. And delegating is essentially giving the right work to the right people, right? Knowing who has the skills to do what you need them to do. And it starts with letting go of tasks and the decision-making responsibilities that go with the tasks. You can't just give some somebody something to do and not allow them to actually make the decisions in order to get something done. That second part is the hardest and the scariest, I think, for most people, but that's truly when your time is freed up is when 
you can, and and that is going to free up your time to work on the other important things that being a boss is, or that your business needs to move forward is when you can allow and delegate the decision-making required to get a task done, you're not going to have to be involved as much. And that's the beautiful thing about hiring people. And that's essentially why you're hiring people anyways. And so you're probably used to being fully controlling all of your workload, right? When it was just you, you were the one doing everything and, you know, you controlled everything. But when you become a boss, you're forced to give up control and start to delegate the responsibility. And you've got to get rid of your addiction to doing everything yourself. And this thinking that you're the only one who can do it as good as you, right? You're going to be hopefully pleasantly surprised when other people start doing stuff for you because you learned how to set expectations, because you learned how to delegate well. And if you don't, you're never going to be able to focus on your new job responsibilities as a boss, which is getting the results for other people. So letting go involves delegating. And it's really important to note that, well, I guess what I really want to hit home on is delegating does not mean deserting the team or giving up your accountability to stuff, right? So often you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to let the team do it. So then the team is floundering. Like that's not what delegating is. Um, You still have to support them, be there to answer questions, help them along if they need help. So it's not just like, oh, well, I told them to do that. Bye. Like that is not what delegation is. And many leaders have the best of intentions when it comes to being good at delegating, only not really know how to do it. And here are some ways that I see, or I guess here are some mistakes that I see leaders make when they think they're delegating well. I guess that's a better way to say that. The first is you don't establish a plan for monitoring and ensuring progress is made. Especially for like harder stuff, bosses tend to, to send people off on their own without any direction and expect the tasks to get done. So you have to make sure you're having conversations with them where you talk about what is needed and a plan for getting it done and let them know how you're going to follow up to make sure progress is being made. So you have to have a plan for monitoring and ensuring that it's getting done well and that they're, they have everything they need. So that's the first mistake is that you don't do that. The second is that you only delegate administrative tasks, leaving more strategic or higher level tasks for yourself. And why this is a mistake is because team members want to be challenged. They want to grow. And by giving them higher level, more strategic tasks, they're going to feel more satisfied in their work. They're going to feel like they're growing, like they're developing new skills and that you're also supporting them in doing that. And so it's critical that you don't just delegate administrative tasks, because if you just delegate administrative tasks, everyone's going to feel like your assistant and get frustrated, right? So you want to make sure you're also giving strategic and higher level stuff and projects to your team. And it is, I'm just going to end with this about delegating. It's more risky not to delegate than to do it. And for most of you listening to the show, the small mistakes people make on your team are not going to ruin your business. And instead, they're going to create learning opportunities for them and to grow and for you to practice giving feedback. So it really is a win-win. I bet you can delegate way more than you actually are. So those are the four essential skills that I believe you need to be a good boss. And so you have to get good at decision-making. You have to get great at your communication. And there's a lot that goes into communication that we went into using candor, 
listening, getting aware, becoming aware of your nonverbal communication, and also getting really good at clear and concise communication. The third is you have to get good at setting clear expectations. And then lastly, you have to become good at delegating. So those are the four skills that you need to develop in order to become a really great boss. I trust you can do it. There's so many books out there. There's so many ways to learn how to do these things. And if you just focus on those four, instead of making it be this really long daunting list, just focus on those four. You're going to see so many beautiful things happen and open up on your team. So tomorrow we are talking about the action plan on how to become a better boss. Your business needs strategic people leadership much earlier than you think. And lucky for you over at People Principles, we've got you covered. We have launched some fractional head of people services where you can get a fractional head of people for a monthly retainer to help support you in managing the people side of your business. Perhaps you need more intense stuff where maybe you need some processes built out from scratch. You need to implement a performance review process, a handbook, a employee feedback survey. There's so many different things that you need. Well, I guess not so many, eight core things you need in your business and we can build it out for you. So go check out our fractional head of HR and people operations services at peopleprinciples.co.